Welcome back to the I Don't Know But Podcast with your host Angel and Imani. Presented to you by our Heavenly Father, aka the Big G-O-D. Hi, Mommy. <laughs> hey, Angel. What? Are you looking like that? Excuse me, I'm sorry for coughing in everyone's ear. Um, yeah, it's going to be cut out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I forgot we can do that. Anyways. So, how you bees? I'm good. That's today I have energy. Like, I was like... At first, I was like, like oh, I don't want to get up. I don't want to move. But then I got up, took a shower, got dressed, because I was just like, why not? And then now we're here, I guess. And I was just cutting shirts because, you know, arts and crafts. <laughs> Y'all can see her face. It's so funny. I have to, like, make expressions when I talk. I see. How are you, mommy? I'm okay. I'm okay. Did you do anything today? Um... Yeah, I did. I read. What'd you read about? I'm reading a book called Love What Is. And um, I did some journaling, some exercises from the book. And I am just learning more about myself and, you know, healing a lot of my inner child wounds, inner adult wounds. And learning not to be so judgmental. And be more positive. Or think more positive, I should say. So, that's kind of what I did this morning. Well, we're here today for Bible study, Bible series. And we are going to start back where we left off, which is Genesis 21. But before we do, Angel is going to lead us in some prayer. Uh, Angel, okay. (laughs) Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your joy and your peace, Lord. And I ask as we read today that we gain knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And that we can take throughout the rest of our week. And that you just fill us up with your peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 So you read in or you want me to read? You can read. Okay. Some lineages going on up in here. No, I don't think so. Okay. So, Genesis 21, uh, it's titled, The Birth of Isaac. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and before be, uh, and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also, because he is your offspring. 
Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby, about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, or Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. So, uh, Abraham was just spreading his seed all around. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. He had Isaac. At 100 years old. And he had a son. But I don't think they ever said the son's name. Where? They Where haven't. I'm just you? reading like what I just read. We, we don't know what Hagar's son's name is. They kept they keep calling him the boy. But we know that he's going to birth a great nation. So that's interesting. Genesis twenty one twenty two. At the time Abimelech and Phicol or Pekul, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Now swear to me here before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Show to me and the country where you are living as an alien the same kindness I have shown to you. Abraham said, I swear it. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. But Abimelech said, I don't know who has done this. You did not tell me, and I heard about it only today. So Abraham brought sheep and cattle and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a treaty. Abraham set apart seven ewe lambs from the flock, and Abimelech asked Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs you have set apart by themselves? He replied, Accept these seven lambs from my hand as a witness that I dug this well. So that place was called Beersheba, because the two men swore an oath there. After the treaty had been made at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called upon the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. Chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. God loves tests, boy. Yeah, because that's where growth comes in. All the tests, that's how you grow. You don't grow with just, like, like, you can't grow without the tests. Like, the trials and tribulations, the hard times, the pain, that's where growth is. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. When you were in school... Mm-hmm. And they tested you. Did you grow from that? Mm 
from the test? I don't really like standardized tests, so and I don't I don't really remember a lot about like tests, so So no. the answer would be no. But that's just like like you don't think you grow in your pain? You think I'm like, just talking about tests. I know, but <laughs> that's like <laughs> Have you ever cheated on a test? Yeah. Who hasn't cheated on a test? So when you cheat on a test, do you grow from that? No. Where do you grow from? What do you mean? We're just talking about school. Where did you learn, or when did you learn the most? When I was actually intrigued. Like, social studies. Like, I don't ever cheat in that class because I actually like that class. <laughs> but, like, if it was, like... Actually, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> well, what intrigued you about social studies? Just, like, the history behind a lot of stuff. Like, I don't know how things came to be, what they are, and, like, the... Like, how... F- far America has came from like different stuff like was it the teacher that intrigued you and wanted you to explore more like if you had a teacher that was kind of bland and monotone would you have still liked history yeah because I did have a teacher that was bland and monotone at one point and you still liked it yeah but like when it came to like chemistry like what grade was that 11th 11th grade Mm mm-hmm like I I loved that class because she always like made sure that we learned. Like she made sure that But how does she make sure that you learn? Like asking questions and making sure you're actually paying attention to what she's saying. So mm-hmm. like and it really helps like when it comes to tests and stuff. I didn't have to cheat on anything in that class because I was actually intrigued. Like she's just a upbeat type of teacher, so it was just like kind of I wouldn't say easy, but it was more, it was just fun to learn in her class. Mm-hmm. When, like, your teacher's boring and, like, they don't really know how to teach, it's like, oh, I don't want to be here. But you're saying even with history, regardless of a boring teacher, because you were intrigued with the subject, that's what, that's how you learned. It wasn't necessarily the test. It wasn't the teacher. Yeah, pretty much. It was your liking like English like I don't ever cheat in that class because what like you can't really like you either know or you don't and it's like it's not really hard honestly I'm not gonna lie English isn't hard neither is social studies where where it gets me is like I don't even cheat in math I cheat in science okay it's the only time I oh cheat gosh. like okay 11th grade year I didn't cheat but 12th grade year I definitely cheated Cause I did not, I couldn't, I just couldn't. That yeah, I don't, so I don't want to get stuck on the cheating. I, my point is the testing, and, you know, the purpose of testing, and the purpose of testing, is really not to, um, reiterate what you already know. The purpose of testing is to reiterate to reiterate reiterate what you do not know and what you need to learn and so I think that's the reason why God does a lot of testing you know not for us to to necessarily apply what we already know but to actually learn something new because a test is supposed to be to show you 
where your areas of weakness are. I know. But a lot of people don't think that. People think that tests are to prove that you have no weakness. To You're supposed to ace your tests all the time. Oh, yeah, no. And, well, that didn't help. And, <laughs> um, you know, you're supposed to show people what you know. But if you look at a test from this, the point of, I'm doing this test, and this is just, this is life test, school test, or whatever. I'm doing this test not to show you what I already know, but to show you where I need to grow and learn at. Then you'll have just a whole different out, you know, outlook and outcome from a test. Okay. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> you was going hard on that cheating now. No, it's because... You were telling on yourself, go ahead. God brought it all out. <laughs> Mm, 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 mm. I mean, I did. I'm not gonna lie. Amen to that. There's no need to lie. My one of my BFF says, "Why lie when the truth will do?" Okay. So sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to He said to him, "Abraham, here I am." He replied. Then God said, "Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I will tell you about." Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Do you think you could make a sacrifice like that? Like, give up my child? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a lot of... That's a lot of... That's a lot of, like, trust right there. Right. So it's like, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Like, so what I'm hearing could, right now is give, no. Do you think you could give me up? Um... No. Why? I. I mean, there's a reason. There's a couple of reasons. I don't know what the purpose of doing that is. Um, I'm not. 
maybe I just have a lot of growth to do, but I'm just not at a place where I trust that that is the most reasonable thing to do. Um, you know, just in reading Genesis so far, I have a lot of questions. And not saying that we will ever understand God or I will ever understand God, but I have to be honest and say I do not understand some of the things that he's done outside of just what is screaming out at me from Genesis 1 to now is that God wants us to be obedient. With every story so far, it is reiterating obedience. And so Abraham proved to God that he was obedient. He took his child and he was willing to sacrifice him. Um, and if you think about it, God did the same thing with Jesus. He took his child and he was willing to sacrifice my issue is sacrifices the way I think of it are for a reason. Mm -hmm. Not just to prove that I'm obedient. So I feel like I would need to have a reason to sacrifice my child. And God probably is like, no, you don't have to have a reason. Just do it because I said so. But maybe I'm a little rebellious and maybe that is something that I have to work on. But really, that's basically what I'm seeing throughout the scripture thus far is he is honing on obedience. Do you have something you want to read? I know. I'm just like looking to see like on this website. I feel like even, you know, times are so different back then that, you know, now you have the justice system. And if anybody ever heard of me taking you up to a mountain <laughs> to sacrifice you, they would either put me in a straitjacket or put me or incarcerate me because they're like, what the heck is going on with this woman? If I was to sit up there and say, God spoke to me and told me to take Angel yeah, people probably think crazy. up to a mountain <laughs> with fire and wood and sacrifice her, you know, it's just not the most logical thing now, you know, so. I mean, I can read what, I, what I'm reading right now, if you want me to. What does it say? It says, God was faithful to Abraham and through, his, and through this relationship, obedience was continually being renewed. God's faithfulness was faithfulness was a catalyst for Abraham's faith. But like James writes, faith must be proven. It is not is not found in empty words, but in conscious actions. Faith lives in trials. If faith is a deep sea creature, trials must must be the vast ocean depths. It it is there we learn to be pa to patiently endure, breathing underwater and trusting the one who has been with us our entire journey. Abraham experienced this firsthand. He may have felt abandoned at sea, left to the confusion and turmoil of his mind, sacrificed my son. How does this make any sense? But God was bringing Abraham into the fold. Consider once again what it took for Abraham to become closer than any human being had ever been to God's heart. 
it took a trial. It's not a coincidence that when it's not a coincidence that when James pens his book about faith without works mm-hmm. is being dead. dead mm-hmm. He also writes he also writes about the journey that comes from trials. These two themes are inseparable in scripture. Yet these painful struggles seem, struggles seem to always catch us off guard. Genesis 22 beautifully captures God's divine intervention when we when we choose to obey. Abraham didn't have to follow through. He could have he could have chosen to reject God's invitation. In the end his faith prevailed and he was able to experience the blessing of a deeper relationship with God. Is that what all of us want in the, in the end? Yeah, so I is I guess it's showing me that my faith is not as strong as I would like to believe it. Um, but I'm really curious to know, like, if Abraham did not take Isaac up to the mountain, what would have happened to Abraham? Like, I like, I, I'm sure there might be some type of stories, you know, within the Bible that speaks on that. But I would love to have known if, um, if he didn't go forward with it, you know, would, would God have shunned him or taken away his promises or you know like what would have God what would God have done in that instance but we know that Abraham was faithful and he did he was obedient and up to the last minute or second he was about to sacrifice his child you know a lot of faith man (laughs) That's it's a little easier said than done, having faith. Yeah. Um. I feel like faith is definitely that one that thing. Realistic faith is that thing that, somewhere, in the back of your brain, you know you're safe. I don't know that most people have the true definition of faith where they have no idea what is going to happen because we, we walk in faith every day. We really do walk in faith every day, but we walk in faith because we have proof that something's not, or is going to happen. So we walk in faith when we sit on a chair because we have proof from prior experience that when we sat on a chair, it did not buckle. We walk in faith when we close our eyes that we're going to wake up because we've awoken each day up until that point until God takes us home. You know, we walk in faith, taking airplanes, even though we've seen some airplanes fall out the sky or get blown up out in the sky, whatever, because our experience has been when we got on the airplane, we safely landed and nothing has happened. But isn't that faith in your creator as well? Like, it's just like... But it's faith knowing from a previous experience that is an outcome. So I don't know that that's true faith. I think true faith is not knowing anything about the outcome. Like, nothing. Have you ever felt like, have you ever had faith like that? Where you didn't know, like, oh, because I have. And what, what's your example of having faith where you didn't know? Do I want to share this? <laughs> um, when I broke up with my ex, mm-hmm. 
there was faith in knowing because it wasn't like I'm not gonna cry <laughs> but um I knew that's not what God wanted for me ultimately mm-hmm. and and even though I wanted it I knew that if I broke up with him like I, my whole world wasn't gonna crumble underneath me right so you had faith to know that you would be okay. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't feel okay. Right. Because that was your first experience. So that truly is faith. Because you were in love. And you hadn't ever broken up with someone that you were in love with previously. So you have no record or recollection of whether or not you would have gotten out of that okay. You know. Or have a long lasting effect of a breakup. So that was true faith. That to me is true faith because there's no recollection of an experience, even though you've seen people on TV or with your mother, your dad or whatever, have breakups and see that they ultimately are okay. It's not like they turned into a pillow of salt or passed away (laughs) or anything just because they had a breakup. So you knew logically that those type of things don't happen, but you didn't know how your heart would respond to such a breakup but you went out on faith that knowing this is not the right person for you at this time you have to move on and you will be okay yes I still struggle with that though like it's like it's not even like oh like I still want want him or whatever but it's more of just like like I know I did the right thing but sometimes it's like oh my heart's still like breaks I guess yeah and and that's okay because when you love someone you know before my book I would say I don't know that it is the easiest thing to let someone go when you love someone but after reading the book when you really understand what letting someone go for the purpose of them being happy and you being happy that it is it becomes easier because had you stayed in a relationship where you didn't feel you can give 100% or be 100% to that person that's not fair to them so letting them go is true love you know letting them go to find or be with a person who can give them 100% true love should be very easy I think we make things more difficult than they have to be. But when you look at it from a viewpoint of love, that should be the easiest thing that you could ever do is to release someone to be loved the way that they deserve to be loved and for you to be in something that fulfills you, you know, and you love on yourself the way you deserve to be loved. And you did the right thing when it comes to that. So that should make things, you know, a little easier when you start thinking about it from that way, from that point of view. A lot of people don't think of it from that point of view. So. Where are we? Um, Did you? Yeah, so he saw a ram. Okay, so. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, And have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. 
Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Sometime later, Abraham was told Milcah is also a mother. She has borne sons to your brother Nahor, Uz, or Uz, the firstborn, Buzz, his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, Kesed, Hazel, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. Milcah bore these eight sons to Abraham's brother Nahor. His concubine, whose name was Rumah, also had sons. Teba, Gaham, Tehash, and Maka. Maka. <laughs> These names. Yeah. I'd be like TGT names. Like. Right. So Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Hebron? Hebron, or Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. He said, I am an alien and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site here so I can bury my dead. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Sir, listen to us. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choices of our tombs. None of us will refuse you his tomb for burying your dead. Then Abraham rose and bowed down before the people of the land the Hittites. He said to them, if you are willing to let me bury my dead, then listen to me and intercede with Ephron, son of Zohar, on my behalf. So he will sell me the cave of Machpelah, which belongs to him and is at the end of his field. Ask him to sell it to me for the full price as a burial site among you. Ephron, the Hittite, was sitting among his people, and he replied to Abraham in the hearing of all the Hittites who had come to the gate in his city. No, my Lord, he said, listen to me. I give you the field and I give you the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of my people. Bury your dead. Again, Abraham bowed down before the people of the land and he said to Ephron in their hearing, listen to me, if you will. I will pay the price of the field. Accept it for me so I can bury my bed, my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, listen to me, my Lord. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. But what is that between me and you? Bury your dead. Abraham agreed to Ephron's terms and waited out for him the price he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver, according to the weight current among the merchants. So Ephron's field in Machpelah, near Mamre, both the field and the cave in it, and all the trees within the borders of the field was deeded to Abraham as his property in the presence of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of the city. Afterward, Abraham buried his wife, Sarah, in the cave in the field of Machpelah, near Mamre, which is at Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave in it were deeded to Abraham by the Hittites as a burial site. That's a lot of back and forth there. Hmm. Abraham was now old. This is uh, chapter 24. Abraham was now old and well advanced in his years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. 
I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying to your offsprings, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out to Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the woman go out to draw water. Then he prayed, O Lord, God to my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink. And I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Have you ever done that? What? Like, pray to God and say, if I see this blue sky with an orange looking gray (laughs) sun, I know that that's from you. Like, ask for specific types of signs for answers to your prayers. I don't think so. No, I have. Yeah. They don't normally work out like that. (laughs) What do you mean? Like, the way he, you know, prayed, like, so specific. Like, she's going to ask me to drink, and she's going to feed my camels. She's going to give drink to my water to my camels. And then that way I don't know that that is the one that's supposed to go back to Isaac. So it's not that specific. You just like, what do you say then? It depends. It depends on what I'm asking for. I might say. I feel like I have, but I don't. You know, it depends on what I'm asking for. Like sometimes like when we're not the type of people who can sit still and quiet and hear the voice of God. Or just forget about that. The fact that you may not even know what the voice of God sounds like. Because you can be still still and quiet. But then sometimes you second guess what you're hearing. Because you're like, well, maybe that's just me talking. Right. (laughs) And I'm the one that's answering my own question. You know, it's like, I need a specific sign. You know, I need, I need for someone to call me on my phone right now and tell me blah, 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 blah. Or I need to leave my house and a sign along the way on the side of the road says <laughs> stop here for your blessing you know like it's you ask for something specific because you can't sit and really listen or you don't understand what God sounds like because you're not in tune with him in that way God usually speaks to me through this mm-hmm. sometimes dreams 
Mm-hmm. And through other people. That's like confirmation. Yeah, just, yeah, like that. I feel like confirmation is kind of specific. Um, But it's not specific to, like, what this is. It's not like you prayed for a blue taco <laughs> with gray meat, Mom. you know, and that blue taco with gray meat appears really while not. you're at a cafe, <laughs> you know. Like, I don't... I don't know. I never really asked God to, like... Specifically reveal something to you? I feel like sometimes that just comes with... For me, that just comes, like, with spending time with Him. Like, it just... I don't know how to explain it. It's just, like, through prayer, sometimes He he talks to me. But that's just because I take the time to listen. Like, I take the time to sit there. Mm -hmm. And And that's what I mean. Like, some people actually do have a relationship enough to know... How God speaks to them. So for you, it's he speaks either through the word, he speaks through confirmation, or through dreams. Whereas for me, my dreams sometimes music too tend to be more um, prophetic. So it's not like it's not like it's answering a question of mine. It's actually like telling me something. Not necessarily specific to me either. Um, but yeah, I, I usually receive things through confirmation. Um, I can't say I read the Bible enough to receive it through the Word. But I have been receiving a lot of things through the Word. The books that I've been reading I know. I have really been... Yeah, that they've really been like... I told you, when God wants to get something to you, He's going to get it to you. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. But I like, I like to actually do things like this. Like give specifics because in my mind it's like if I give a specific and it comes there's no doubt but you know and I'm not heavy on giving the devil props or anything but I also know that those type of entities can come in a false way too so they can come disguised as what as what you specifically wanted and it's not necessarily. Yeah. That's why you got to learn how to discern God. whether or not. Yeah. Because so. I know some people that's in, that came into my life that was supposed to be here, like. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know the difference at the time, so right. it was like. But yeah. Okay. All right. So. Um. All right. So he asks that. Are you at fifteen? Is it fifteen? Um, sign the spring and the daughters of the town. Okay, so I'm just going to go back to 12. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jaw on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. 
After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold rose ring weighing a becca and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, Whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, bore to Nahor. And she added, We have plenty of straw and fodder, as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. The girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now Rebekah had a brother named Laban, and he hurried out to the man at the spring. As soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and had heard Rebekah tell what the man said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you who are blessed by the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out here? I have prepared the house and place for your camels. So the man went to the house and the camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder were bought for the camels and water for him and his men to wash their feet. Then food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. Then tell us, Laban said. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly, and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, men servants and maidservants, and camels and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age, and he has given him everything he owns. And my master made me swear an oath and said, you must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live. But go to my father's family and to my own clan and get a wife for my son. Then I asked my master, what if the woman would not come back with me? He replied, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angels with you and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife for my son from my own clan and for my father's family. Then when you go to my clan, you will be released from my oath, even if they refuse to give her to you. You will be released from my oath. When I came to the spring today, I said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, if you will please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I am standing beside the spring. If a maiden comes out to draw water, and I say to her, please let me drink a little water from your jar. And if she says to me, drink, and I'll draw water for your camels too, let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finished praying in my heart, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water, and I said to her, Please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I'll water your camels too. So I drank, and she watered the camels also. I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, whom Milcah bore to him. Then I put the ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arms. And I bowed down and worshiped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me on the right road to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, so I may know which way to turn. Laban and Bethuel answered, this is from the Lord. 
we can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebecca. Take her and go and let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother and her mother replied, let the girl remain with us 10 days or so. Then you may go. But he said to them, do not detain me. Now that the Lord has granted success to my journey, send me on my way so I may go to my master. Then they said, let's call the girl and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked, asked her, will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. Then Rebecca and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, who is that man in the field coming to meet us? <laughs> he is my master, the servant answered. So she took, his, took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebecca. So she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Aww. Love. A little love story. It was like she saw him and she knew. Sometimes that's the case. Aww. And he immediately accepted her. Aww. So sweet. Aww. So you ready for your arranged marriage? Mom, I'm not getting arranged marriage. Alright, so the only person that's gonna be arranging my marriage is God. Okay. Should we stop here? Yeah. You didn't read no notes today. Um yeah, I don't know that it was necessary today. I think it was pretty self explanatory. Was there something you wanted to read? Um I'll just read it. Okay. Consider the picture we get of Christ's relationship with the church from Isaac and Rebecca. Just like Rebecca was chosen before marriage, believers in the body are part of God's chosen people. Just like Rebecca was told of Isaac's wishes through his servant, we were told about Christ at some point in our lives by one of his servants. Just like Rebecca was asked to leave behind everything to go marry Isaac, we too have been called to leave behind our former lives to follow Christ. Just like Rebecca would be loved and protected by her husband Isaac, we too are loved and protected by Christ. Just like Isaac was promised to Abraham and Sarah before his birth, Jesus was promised to Mary and Joseph. Isaac's conception and birth was or Isaac's conception and birth were miraculous just as Jesus was. 
Both were given a name before their birth. Both were sacrificed by their father. Both carried wood upon their back on the way to their sacrifice. Isaac prepared a place for his new bride, just as Christ has prepared a place for his church. There are probably more people. There, there are probably many more similarities, but you get the point. Years before Jesus would walk among us, God's heart was constantly foreshadowing His plan. It is incredible to consider how God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen. All righty. You want to close us out? Me? <laughs> you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word today, and I pray that we all learn something new. And I pray that we take this into the rest of our week and that we apply it to our lives and that we learn to continue to trust in you in all that we do in every area of our life. And yeah, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, so we will resume next week, chapter 25. And we still have a lot to go in Genesis because I think we're halfway in. Yeah, almost. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we thank you all for listening to our podcast. And as normal, you know, share and share alike. We are on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Um, If you want to donate or support, the link is in our Description. description. And we thank you, as always, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Why am I always yelling?